Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Soccer 101, the show in which we attempt to scratch the soccer itches you never knew you had. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and this week we're looking at the premier international competition in all the world of CONCACAF. <laughs> Until recently, the Gold Cup. What is this tournament? How has it evolved over time? Is it still as relevant today as it was years ago? What does the future hold? And much, much more. Here with me to talk about that tournament is a man who, like most of the teams in the Confederation, has never won the Gold Cup. It's Graham Ruthven. Hi, Graham. Hello, Taylor Rockwell. Yes, that is true. I have never won the the Gold Cup, now known as the Chaos Cup. I might have just coined yep. that, but I'm I'm, I'm yep. going with it. I have never won the Chaos Cup, but the way Scotland are going, don't don't rule us out. Uh, that, that might be one that we end up winning. Hey, you never know. Uh, supposedly expanding uh, in the lead up to the 2026 World Cup, maybe Scotland will get an invite. Graham, maybe you all be, will be the Concacaf champions one day. You never know. So the invited nations is a really interesting part of mm-hmm. Gold Cup. We'll probably cover this uh, in, in, in the episode, but there doesn't seem to be a common thread between Mm-mm. some of the nations that have been invited. I, no. in my naivety, thought that it was often or most most commonly like South South American countries to create kind mm-hmm. of like an America's Cup sort of thing. But no, there's like South Korea in in yep. there in the past and uh, yep. Qatar obviously in in this uh, iteration and and in 2021 as well. So it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason. Uh, I think the Qatar one is probably a little bit self-evident, I'm guessing, and the fact that I believe Qatar Airways True. is the sponsor maybe has something to do with that, but we will talk about guest nations uh, here in a little bit. First, we should maybe get into the details of what the Gold Cup is itself. What's the purpose of the Gold Cup, Graham? You want to take a shot at those two questions? Indeed, yeah. So the Gold Cup um, is the main regional international competition in CONCACAF. So in soccer, you have... Confederations, which are there to um, govern the sport across the the different continents. You have six confederations in world football. You have the AFC, you have CAF, you have Comnibol, you have the OFC, you have UEFA, and you have CONCACAF. And each of those confederations have a regional international competition. So the ones listeners will likely be most familiar with, besides the Gold Cup, of course, is the Euros and the Copa America. And the Gold Cup is CONCACAF's equivalent of that, with CONCACAF obviously being the confederation for North America, Central America and the Caribbean. And the Gold Cup is held every two years with the 2023 tournament kicking off this weekend with the US hosting Jamaica in the opening game. Um, We can talk a bit more about what the purpose of the Gold Cup is in the modern age in 2023, when you also have the CONCACAF Nations League now as a thing. But conventionally, the the purpose is to crown a regional champion. So the the Gold Mm -hmm. Cup is there to find the best team in CONCACAF, just as the Euros are there to find the best team in UEFA. That's the idea anyway. Whether it actually does that in the modern age is another matter. It is indeed. Uh, yes, so we have the Gold Cup starting in 91. We had the CONCACAF Championship before that with CONCACAF itself uh, starting in 1961. So a somewhat recent competition, certainly when you're looking at the fact that it starts uh, the modern sort of iteration in 91 with every tournament uh, since that point or including that point uh, being hosted in the United States or co-hosted by the United States. So it's basically a tournament played in the U.S. to determine the uh, the regional champion. Usually it is either Mexico or the United States. I think we've had 16. This will be the 17th. We've got Mexico with eight uh, titles. The United States with seven. Canada with the one. So Canada on the board. You uh, go, my Canada. initial introduction. Yeah. Uh, Canada won better than Graham Ruffin if we're following along <laughs> with the introduction uh, uh, from this episode. Graham, let's talk a bit about how it's 
evolved, how it has sort of changed over time. Let's start with qualification. Uh, from my research, uh, it got confusing really quickly. Not really like that confusing in terms of the structure itself, just that there are so many play-in rounds and small nations that get opportunities but then get follow-up opportunities. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it used to be from 91 to 2017, spots in the Gold Cup allocated to each sub-confederation. Now we're getting into the details. Uh, the North Ooh. American Football Union, NAFU, the Caribbean Football Union, the CFU, and the Central American Football Union, the UNCAF. Uh, and it was the case that with like the North American Football Union, they were allocated three spots for the Gold Cup. There are three nations in that that faction. So USA, Canada, Mexico, all very likely to qualify. Uh, but it's changed a bit since then, starting in 2019, with the Nations League being involved. Yeah. And that's an odd thing, because this summer we're seeing the U.S., for example, send their A-team to the Nations League. They sent their A-team to the Nations League. Uh, and now we're getting very much a B-team at the Gold Cup. And it's odd that the Nations League is the qualifier for the Gold Cup. So you're basically sending your A team to qualify and then your B team to play. Absolutely. And and CONCACAF has established a hierarchy between those two tournaments and the fact that, as you say there, Taylor, the Nations League acts as qualification for the Gold Cup. So therefore, the Gold Cup is higher in the food chain. But I'm not entirely sure that countries are... Uh, are really listening yeah, to that or paying yeah. attention to that. So mm-hmm. it's worth uh, it's worth running through how qualification now works from uh, mm-hmm. 2019 since the, the competition Good itself, luck. the finals competition, <laughs> thank you, it expanded <laughs> to 16 teams in 2019. And actually, in terms of the format of the competition itself, that is more straightforward now than it has been in, in the past because when it was 12 teams, you obviously have to then create a knockout round of eight and that is a little bit awkward and you have... Uh, best placed third place teams making it into the knockout rounds which is always a little bit confusing whereas now it's essentially two halves you have um, eight teams dropping off after the group stage eight teams moving into the knockout rounds that is much more straightforward qualification not so much so as you say Taylor it's linked to the (laughs) Nations League the top four teams from Nations League A, B and C qualify for the Gold Cup then the next best four teams from A and B um, entered a, quali- a qualifying tournament from the qualifying tournament which happened for for the 2023 t- uh, competition it happened actually last week three more teams are taken from that qualifying tournament and th- and this year those three teams are Guadeloupe Martinique and St Kitts and Nevis so they have qualified for the for the main tournament then of course you have for this year you have an invited team as well so you have Qatar making up the the the, the 16 they're the 16th team if if, if we can call them that um from 96 to 2005 there was at least one invited team per tournament and you had the likes of Brazil, Colombia, South Africa, South Korea. There's a few others in, in, in there as well. Peru, I think, were invited um, a couple of times as well. And then we, there was a 16-year gap from 2005 and, and until 2021 when Qatar Airways, as you say, Taylor, sponsored the tournament and they got an invite. So yeah, huh. compared to maybe <laughs> other confederation competitions, it definitely seems quite a bit more convoluted in, in the way it yeah. is made up and the team, the way that teams are drawn from different places. Yeah, and I think a large part of that is because of the nature of CONCACAF itself, where you have large nations in terms of the population or landmass, like the USA, Canada, Mexico. Then you have Central America. Then you have the Caribbean or Caribbean, I never quite know, uh, nations. And then you still have countries like further out and in uh, northern South America that are more Caribbean facing than they are South American facing, which is why they're in this confederation and not Conmebol. 
And so with that, you then also get tiny nations who are competing, but never likely to qualify for a World Cup or go particularly far in qualifying. To my understanding, that's why there has been the revamp format to qualification for the Gold Cup and why the Nations League is so important. As frustrating as it might be for some people who think we should just have one regional competition and that's it, I think the idea is more competitive games, more money flowing into the Confederation means more funding for these teams to raise their standing a little bit, to just get more experience, to be able to recruit better, to pull in some dual nationals, and to raise the status and standing of CONCACAF across the board. Because right now it is sort of a few very dominant teams, like the teams that you would expect to be uh, in the hex when that was still a thing. But I think as we go, as you get more money put into it, we'll see continued development. And we've seen that in the form of Martinique and Curaçao. Martinique will be uh, in the Gold Cup this summer. Uh, Curaçao as well, starting to appeal to dual nationals. Martinique from France, Curaçao from the Netherlands. Uh, Guadeloupe uh, involved in this tournament, a a thing that I don't think we would have seen as regularly or as readily in years past. And so I do think in that way, the Nations League is having an impact, is getting more eyes on more teams and is giving more teams either through play-in games or the Nations League itself, qualifiers, whatever it may be, they're getting more opportunities to play uh, more teams more consistently. And I think that is to the benefit of the Confederation. Yeah. I remember getting a question a few weeks ago on on Listener Questions, uh, on a a Listener Questions episode. And basically the question was, why should US fans care about the Nations League? And and Mm -hmm. I think we, we maybe struggle to answer that a little bit, but... I do remember coming on to the talking point that you're referencing there, Taylor, of the Nations League isn't really for the US and, and for mm. Mexico and for Canada. It is to raise the overall level of CONCACAF as, as, as a region and, and as a confederation. And so from that point of view, um, yeah, I think it's very worthwhile having that, that competition yeah. in place. Yeah, because like like to that point, I, I get it. US fans, it, it's kind of irritating or it can be a little bit like, who cares about this? But if, if you look at the way World Cup qualifying used to work in CONCACAF, if you are a smaller country, if you are Martinique or Curaçao, and you don't make it out of that initial round, you're done with World Cup qualifying like three years before the World Cup. And so at that point, teams move on and you're sort of left there to play friendlies and try to pull people in. But you're not really going to be able to recruit dual nationals if it's like, well, we're out of World Cup qualifying And we don't really have any meaningful games, but you're welcome to fly across the ocean to play in a small stadium and then fly back. Like, I I don't think it worked very well. Uh, But with all these, with the revamp format to qualifying for the Gold Cup and for the World Cup, you're getting, and the Nations League on top of it, you get more opportunities for those countries to play. And so I I think that is a thing that, like, you know, who cares about St. Kitts and Nevis getting more games? But I think people who want the game to grow in St. Kitts and Nevis do. And I think that's what we're supposed to care about as a confederation. You're supposed to kind of care about everybody in there as well as your own national team. And lest we forget, CONCACAF has 41 member nations, which is four times the size of CONMEBOL, the South American Federation. So there are many, many different teams and kind of trying to find the balance that gives you competitive competitions, but still helps everybody sort of raise their level. That's what it's all about. Theoretically, and, and then also you know it, making money and keeping it off the books. That too, that too, <laughs> which is which is why Qatar's there. It hey. is worth noting that Concacaf is quite a unique region, um, in that there are a few heavyweights, yep. and then there's I think about two levels, and then there's mm-hmm. teams kind of. I hope I'm not being disrespectful, and obviously Costa Rica are, are, are maybe a bridge between those two, but nonetheless, it, it feels like not every confederation has to account for 
um, such a variance in, in standard between its member nations as CONCACAF does. And that is reflected in how it's tried to establish these competitions and, and, and play them off against each other. Yep. Uh, so, Graham, the Gold Cup itself, though, it's a, it's a little bit of a confusing one more recently because I think historically it's been... You have this tournament in various forms. It starts with eight teams, then I think nine, then 10, then 12, now 16, as you said, with some guest teams thrown in there. But historically, it's been U.S. on one side of the tournament in their group, Mexico on the other in their group, and then you keep them apart for as long as you can, usually with the two of them meeting in the final, to the point where if one of them isn't in the final, this is definitely more recently as the U.S. sort of has found its footing uh, through the mid to late 90s and then uh, since then. But it feels like if you don't have USA-Mexico in the final, that itself is a talking point. One of them has failed. One of them has failed to achieve. And even in that final, we've seen it before when Mexico sort of beast the United States and Gio De Santos has the, the turn of the turn of the turn and then the chip of Tim Howard. It cost Bob Bradley his job. And so, so often it's been USA-Mexico are going to meet in the final and it's an opportunity to play them in a competitive game. And along the way, we're playing a tricky Jamaica side or a really like a... Uh, staunch defensive Panama team and how do you get through them it gives us opportunities to play CONCACAF teams of different shapes sizes styles whatever it may be but this time around uh it's a little bit harder to sell I think and I I was unaware of why that was the case until we started researching this it's why I love doing one-on-one episodes and I'm more optimistic about the gold cup than I was coming in because to me it felt like the structure is now the Nations League is the smaller tournament where you get uh, the kind of the bigger teams involved at in the in the A League sort of thing, and so they're going to send their top teams to that one. The Gold Cup is played a month later. The Gold Cup lasting usually from mid June to mid July or early July. It's usually about three weeks or four weeks. Um, but it felt to me like the Gold Cup just isn't going to matter anymore, and it's going to be this sort of thing where we send our B team. Looking at the squads for this one, the U.S. is sending a B team. Everyone else is pretty much sending their A-team. So I think it's the United States giving their players a rest. Uh, But the reason why I'm more optimistic is because I didn't realize that they weren't meant to be played at the same time, the Nations League and the Gold Cup. Uh, They weren't meant to be played in the same year even sometimes. But the big thing would be the initial one, uh, the initial iteration, you're not supposed to have in the same year. But then COVID screws up the timeline. And so you end up having to have them played like pretty much back to back. And we see that again this year because of the Qatar World Cup and the schedule being thrown off. I think going forward, as I understand it, Graham, please feel free to correct me. Uh, We're going to have a change in format. It's going to be more of a knockout competition uh, starting in the fall with the final in the spring in like the March window. Then we'll have the kind of gap and then we'll have the Gold Cup. So you don't have them right on top of each other where it's harder to convince clubs and players to basically play for the national team for a month and a half or two months and then go back. So we are still getting that sort of split situation right now. In the future, that's much less likely. Yeah, and I think that is taking the lead from UEFA, who are mm-hmm. the they come up with kind of the Nations League con- concept. Um, they they certainly implemented it first, and so you never have the Euros and the UEFA Nations League happening at, at, at the same time. Um, obviously, that hasn't gone to plan for Concacaf for reasons that you outline there. And to be honest, I think that will make that will make in itself a, a massive difference. Have, having that gap between the two will will allow oxygen and and will allow both to. To breathe and create their own kind of uh, 
their own their own kind of identity because at, at the moment it really does it sort of feels like the the Nations League is just running into the Gold Cup like they're yep. they're almost like the same sort of thing. I know the squad, the US squad, is dramatically different. But yeah, the Gold Cup kicks off this weekend, and I am kind of in the same mindset as I was for uh, for for the Nations League. Yeah, I'm ready for more uh, BJ Callaghan uh, magic for with the US. What are you looking forward to in this Gold Cup, if anything? And I think it's fair to say I don't know because it, it's an odd one. We have this very much B team. It's primarily MLS players for the United States. There's a few outliers in there, like Jean-Luc Abusio, for example. With Mexico, we're getting. More or less, I think, the same team that we saw in the Nations League, minus their manager, Coca, no longer there, because it turns out if you lose to the U.S. in pretty emphatic fashion, you're shown the door. Uh, We've got, I think, Canada with a pretty strong team. Uh, Any of the things that you are excited about or any of those teams that you're excited to watch? I'm always excited to watch Canada under John Herdman, and I think the Nations League there didn't go. I know they make it through to the final; yeah. they kind of they kind of stroll past Panama in the semi-finals. But their performance against the US was relatively disappointing, and obviously the World Cup as well was maybe a, a, a touch disappointing given the expectation heading into that tournament. So I, I guess I'm interested to see in a tournament um, environment mm-hmm. whether whether they can put it together after the Nations League with, with the US in the Nations League I think we all got the com- the the, conf- the confirmation that this this team's okay like it doesn't need fundamental reshaping yeah. it doesn't need rebuilding the, the the foundations are still in place and so with that assurance after the Nations League I, I now think it's, it's an exciting thing to look at the the kind of B and C teams that the B and C strings that the US have and and kind of mm-hmm. assess those players and see if anyone can can step up. I mean, looking at the squad, I'm a massive. Uh, I've always been a massive John Tolkien fan. I don't know how close he is to the mm-hmm. to the A the A team, um, but I'd like to see him have a good tournament. Cade Cowell obviously had a very good under twenties World Cup, so it feels like maybe he is on one of the players on the brink of of, of breaking through. Certainly, did you see those reports link him with uh, Premier League clubs? I don't know if that is if if my tweet uh did we do it did we do it crystal palace wasn't mentioned but premier league clubs are apparently looking at Cade kyle and i thought to myself can i claim that did i do that i Um, feel like we should be able to claim that yeah okay i did enjoy any time people didn't listen to that episode in which we tried to create a rumor ourselves that i think landed on Cade cowell to crystal palace that kept getting uh retweeted by people who listened and then there were occasionally people being like wait what's this i haven't seen this link where's this coming from and i didn't really know what to do there because i didn't want to uh make them feel foolish but simultaneously i was really hoping that that would pick up traction and sky sports would be coming in with breaking news but uh alas it was not meant to be so, so what happened was a listener tweeted me um, saying you heard anything about the Cade Kill rumors, and then I quote tweeted it with "Yes, Cade Kill on his way to Crystal Palace," and then and then tagged Total Soccer Show to try and like put as many red mm-hmm. flags as possible that it wasn't a real rumor. <laughs> then I woke up and it had like three hundred likes, and I thought, uh oh, <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> what have I done? So yeah, what have I done? Yeah, maybe that maybe that was me. <laughs> maybe there's maybe Cade Kill is going to be disappointed and he's not getting his Premier League move. So Cade Cowell aside for this Gold Cup team, are you are you sort of feeling like like eh, whatever happens happens because that's about where I am with this one because it is the B team. I still have an expectation that the U.S. will make a decent run in this one. I, I think unless they come up against Canada or Mexico early, if something strange happens, I, I see them making the semifinals still. But I don't have a ton of expectation. I don't think there's a ton of pressure on them. I think the way things stand right now, the way the Nations League went and how dominant the United States were, to your point. 
It does feel like it's a unique opportunity for the United States to go into the Gold Cup. I'm sure if they don't win, there will still be plenty of people who are like, they didn't bring any European players. This team is a joke. This fed-. But I, I think for me, it's an opportunity just to see a B team and see what they can do. I'm not going to be uh, overly critical if things go poorly. I will probably still be pretty excited if they end up winning it with, with this, uh, this B slash C team. Graham, so is that about where you are on this one? I'm guessing yeah. you're not going to be too bothered by the United States one way or the other. But uh, but yeah, is this a sort of, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm a de facto fan at this point, US, yeah. US fans. So I've, I've got some interest in the US doing doing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much where you are. It's, it's, it would be nice to win it, but mm-hmm. if the US don't win it, I don't think it's really cause for kind of ripping things up and starting all over again. I do actually think that opener against uh, Jamaica is, is mm-hmm. potentially quite yep. difficult. I mean, you look through, yep. I have to admit, I have. I, I don't watch a great deal of, of Jamaica, but when you look through the talent that they have in their squad, I mean, there is a good number of, of, of players in, in, in there. You know, Andre Blake, Ethan Pinnock, Premier League player, uh, Bobby De Cordova reed mm-hmm. Damari Gray. Um, I don't think Mikel Antonio is in the squad. Leo, Leon Bailey is in there. I mean, these are these are players yep. who can do damage. So that that is that's a tricky one. I Mikel think Antonio the is team. in there. Sorry, he he is in yeah. there. So him him as well. That that is that is a team with a lot of certainly attacking quality. That's the team I think outside of the United States. I'm most excited to see play. Canada and Mexico for obvious reasons we've already kind of skipped over or gone over. But Jamaica has had this approach of bringing in dual nationals in the last few years. Uh, and it hasn't really had a huge impact yet, but I think that's because of the timeline and the opportunities that have been there. This feels like the first major opportunity. It does seem like an opportunity for them to take it to the United States. They've done it in the past in friendlies and in the Gold Cup and made life very difficult for the U.S., beating them on occasion. This does feel like one that could spring a surprise, and it could be that sort of statement of intent for Jamaica to come in and get that win. And here they are, a bunch of dual nationals, maybe more to come if they continue this approach. Uh, they've they've got other youngsters committing. I don't know how big of a role he will play. I'm trying to remember his name, but there's like an 18-year-old who plays for Fulham, who they've... Uh, Delano Splat is 18 years old, born in England, uh, but was Jamaica eligible, has chosen to represent Jamaica. That type of player, I'm not sure they would have gotten to commit in the past. It does feel like some of these dual nationals moving over has opened that door or just wedged that door open a little bit more. Jamaica, a team I'm pretty excited to see. Uh, Graham, Daniel Phillips, I believe, is the only player who plays in Scotland. Uh, that, that's, my, that's my one other link for you. Uh, are you. Do you continue to keep your eye on any player who could play in Scotland, could play for any Scottish club? I think Daniel Phillips <laughs> plays for St. Johnston. I'm assuming that's your other area of interest. Daniel Phillips, obviously, from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Oh yeah, of course. Big Daniel Phillips fan, big St. Johnson of course, uh, of course. fan. <laughs> I, I actually have watched him a bunch of times, but there's just some players I don't have like a big opinion on or yeah. lots of things to say. Yeah, that's yeah fair. he's like a Scottish Premiership standard player, Cent- central midfielder, I believe he he is. Um, but yeah, you have will, said more I'll than I know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, So all right, so th- this version of the Gold Cup, I think, because of it coming on the heels of the Nations League for American fans, because they don't have the A team there. I can see how people would start to think, well, what's the point of the Gold Cup if we're just going to prioritize the Nations League? As I said, I think after this iteration, we will get a more streamlined schedule where we will get uh, the United States and it comes in in a home and away quarterfinal for the next round of the Nations League. Uh, And then it will be that fall uh, to spring schedule. And then future Gold Cups, the 2025 one, uh, especially I think will take on greater imports because... 
it's the year before the 2026 World Cup hosted in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Uh, but it does, according to reports, sound like that will be a further expanded competition because there won't be a Confederations Cup. I, I'm still not entirely sure why, aside from maybe just too many competitions happening. I can't believe Gianni Infantino was okay with getting rid of a competition. <laughs> but the speculation is that we will see uh, a number of South American and European clubs coming in to play in the Gold Cup to get them acclimated and more sort of accustomed to playing in the United States and specifically the travel involved of playing one game in New York and playing one game in Nashville and then playing one game in Seattle. How you kind of handle that travel, I think, will be an important proving ground for teams ahead of the 2026 World Cup. So that, I think, could be really fascinating uh, and sort of a competitor to the Copa America, which the United States uh, and a few other CONCACAF teams, if they qualify, will be participating in. It seems like we're going to start getting a more interesting to fascinating schedule in CONCACAF because we'll still have the Nations League. We'll have an expanded Gold Cup with other teams coming in. We'll have some Copa America opportunities, some friendlies along the way. But I think the Gold Cup I was feeling like we're sort of seeing the demise of it, or at least the demise of its importance. But looking ahead, it does seem like CONCACAF will continue to try to find ways to innovate and evolve that tournament and keep it such that the Nations League is interesting and pulls in some viewers. And then the Gold Cup is interesting and pulls in some viewers, albeit with a few months between them. It feels like there's more room for experimentation with the Gold Cup, doesn't it? It feels like CONCACAF is is, is quite loose with trying new things with it. I think... I like the idea of it essentially being a de facto Confederations Cup before the World Cup. I, I don't really know why they got rid of the Confederations Cup. It was actually one of the... There are, yep. there are tournaments that FIFA runs and operates that I would not shed a tear if they got rid of them, Club World Cup being one of them. The Confederations Cup I always found enjoyable. There aren't that Agreed. many opportunities where you see teams from different confederations face each other in a competitive setting. You know, the World Cup, that's one of the things that makes the World Cup so special is you have teams from Europe playing teams from South America, teams from Asia playing CONCACAF teams. Um, but the Confederations Cup was the only other place where that where that happened and they just kind of quietly got rid of it for the... I mean, it didn't happen for the Qatar World Cup. Did it happen for the Russia one? I don't remember it happening for the Russia either. So the last one we've had would have been 2000 and 2013. So it has been gone for a while. It's been gone for 10 years now. So I, I like the Gold Cup essentially being used um, in, in its place, essentially, before the, the, the US-Mexico and Canada World Cup in 2026. One of the things I would like to see in the long term, though, for the Gold Cup, and this is related to hosting, is if we go back to 1991 and the creation of the Gold Cup, everything that I read in the history of the Gold Cup was essentially... The, the rebranding happened to bring America into the fold mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a heavyweight of the CONCACAF region. Up until then, I think the US had only qualified for the CONCACAF championships twice. They'd never done very well in that, in that competition. And obviously with the 1994 World Cup happening then, there was a sense that CONCACAF needed to bring the USA in. And so they rebranded it to the Gold Cup. They gave a lot of the hosting duties to the US. And that, that dynamic exists to, to this day. And there's absolutely no doubt that the US, with the infrastructure and the stadiums and the fandom and everything, is probably the best host for the, for the Gold Cup. But having said all that, 
to be a true regional competition, I would like to see hosting shared around CONCACAF nations. I would like to see Mexico hosting it on their own. I'd like to see, obviously, infrastructure and stadiums is, is an issue, but you could have you know a number of, of Central American countries banding together to, to co-host it to, to, together. Mm-hmm. That is one thing that I do think would improve the competition and just help give it a little bit more of an identity. And I do think that is something the Gold Cup struggles for is an identity and kind of working out what the purpose of the competition is and sharing hosting would help in that regard, I think. I think the issue there, I don't disagree, but I think the issue has been that when you host it in the United States, you're guaranteed to get at least eyes on the United States, certainly plenty of eyes on Mexico. So you're going to sell out those games, specifically Mexico. Uh, But then you will get uh, like expat um, fans, like supporting their smaller countries. And so you can guarantee at least some attendance. I think the concern is if you host it in other countries, you won't get that level of attendance. And so you will get those countries hosting it, but in empty or half empty or quarter full stadiums. I don't know if that is the worst thing, though, if it means that you're like helping develop the infrastructure and yeah, develop exactly. the hosting capabilities and the strength of that uh, that national team. I- I'm with you, Graham, especially if you want to try to experiment and keep changing things up. Why not have a Central American Gold Cup or a Caribbean Gold Cup and you're sort of island hopping and playing different games? I think it could be pretty fascinating. It's just how you uh, go about handling it if you're CONCACAF and with yeah. the Nations League and with other competitions coming online. I think if your primary concern is just making money, there are other ways to do that. Uh, and you can go about then strengthening each individual federation. Why not? Or uh, nation. Why not? And if you want to keep some of the American games, which I, which I understand, then mm-hmm. you could do the kind of Euro, the, the Euro 2020 format mm-hmm. of, of essentially just hosting it across the continent. Now, I'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit there because one of my complaints of Euro 2020 was the tournament didn't really have an identity or a personality because it was hosted across Europe. So I am contradicting myself a little bit there. But I, I would like to see the goal. I would, I'd like to see... Um, Gold Cup finals matches played somewhere other than the US well, yeah. at, at, what at some point it, in the future. What if you did something like, all right, so if, if you've got four groups, right? If you did the top-seeded teams, I mean, that's the easy way to do it. Each top-seeded team gets to host the group stage. And so if you've got USA, Canada, Mexico, and like Costa that. Rica or Panama or whatever, like then you've got the other three teams in that group playing there. That's a way to kind of spread it around, but you're still going to guarantee that at least those four sort of host nations, quote unquote, will get uh, butts in the stands. And so you're going to get money that way. and You're going to get some level of attention. I think that could be cool. Uh, I'm glad we stumbled upon that one. I do love that with the U.S. sort of becoming more of an entity uh, in the 91 iteration that they had to change the name. And I'm assuming it was because with the U.S. coming on board, it was like, what is Con- CONCACAF Championship? Just call it the Gold Cup. Just call it the Gold Cup <laughs> and everybody will get so it. There's so many C's in that name. <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell on myself now there are so many C's. Uh, Graham, I don't think I could tell you what CONCACAF stands for without looking it up. Do you think you could? Oh, no, not a chance. No, we've we've covered this in the past. I'm sure this was a listener question or something, but not off the top of my head, no. It's so confusing because, okay, so it's the Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. So the O of of, I think, gets to be included. That's the, unless the Conca cap, I don't know, man. It's so weird, but it's <laughs> either the CO in Confederation or it's the C in Confederation and the O of of. Then North Central America Caribbean Association football. Yeah, it's, the, 
It's an odd one. It's the O of of. It's the O of of that's included, but then not the A the of and. and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially they realised, right, we need some vowels here. Oh, this is not going to work. Cock and cap it is. Yeah. So I think that one's, maybe that's part of it. They just got to uh, rebrand into something uh, more simplified. And then you'll get even more people on board. Uh, but for now, Graham, I look forward to the start of the Gold Cup, even if it means even more games to cover. Then we've got the Women's World Cup. I have not yet listened to that big thing. Uh, we're recording this uh, on June 22nd, but the U.S. roster for the Women's World Cup was just released. So uh, Graham, Ryan, and Joe, not me, I'm on vacation, uh, but they did a whole deep dive into that roster, which I'm excited to listen to. Graham, I understand you did uh, plenty of research for that one. Do you feel totally ready to talk about every U.S. player from now on? I mean, I, I genuinely did like a, a full day of research just because with uh, these obviously good, players, NWSL games are not are not on UK TV. There's not a broadcast deal, so with a lot with some of the European based players, absolutely no problem. But I, I'm not terribly familiar with some of the the NWSL players, so yeah, I felt I needed to do the I needed to put in the groundwork, and now that groundwork is there, that will sustain me for the rest of the summer. I feel. So as I said, I have not yet listened to that episode. This may have come up. Who are the players that you sort of like gravitated towards or found most interesting? Not necessarily because of their ability or their likelihood of scoring goals or whatever, just that you're like, oh, that's interesting. This person's really fascinating. I didn't know that about them. Were there any that sort of stuck out to you or you're now going to be pulling for a bit more than you would have otherwise? So Trinity Rodman is like my favorite mm-hmm. US player. And that, that was the case before I before I did my, my research yesterday, but just thought obviously the you know, the link yeah. with who her father is, is is interesting about Trinity, but I, I just find her such a like an electrifying presence on, on the field. She is like a must watch player. And there are there are other electrifying players like Sophia Smith is obviously having a great season with, with the Thorns and, and I enjoy watching her as well. And those two players kind of embody the next gen for, for the US. But I don't know, there's just something about Rodman that as good as Sophia Smith is, there, there's just something mm-hmm. kind of a little bit uh, um, a little bit sort of untamed, a little bit, a little bit raw about Trinity Rodman, and that that is actually a strength. You know, people say raw as as like a weakness in players, and I think that rawness in Rodman is actually a strength of her. She's she's an excellent player to watch. Uh, I'm excited that you're excited about Trinity Rodman. I am ultimately from this episode most excited about our uh, hosting format change. I really like this idea of the group stages being held in different countries, and then you get the knockout round somewhere else. Uh, it would pull in more people, Graham. I, I, I think I think this is great. I think we solved it. The Gold Cup. It's it's back to a, yeah. a new level of importance. You're welcome, Cockacaf. So I was looking at the groups. Um, for this year's Gold Cup, so you mm-hmm. would have obviously the US top seeds in A, Mexico top seeds in B, Costa Rica top seeds in C, and Canada top seeds in D. I mean, that Love genuinely it. would kind of work. Yep. So let's do it. Let's do let's it. Make it happen. Do you think, can we change it? I mean, when does it kick off? Like in three days, two days? Yeah, we yeah, got let's, time. Let's, we got uh, time. let's send a letter to CONCACAF and see if they're up for it. Yeah, I mean, we have Trinidad, uh, Trinidad and Tobago now automatically involved because Nicaragua got kicked out for fielding an ineligible, play- an ineligible player whew, uh, over eight games. So, I mean, you know, last minute changes have happened before. Why not just throw in some new hosts as well and see how it plays out? Graham, if that does happen, I'm sure we will talk about it again. For now, thank you for spending a, a chunk of your Thursday talking about the Gold Cup and CONCACAF and other terms and acronyms and ideas that I'm guessing you were the less familiar with before researching this one. There we go. The Chaos Cup is truly what it should be called. (laughs) Somehow I don't think they'll love that. Uh, But Graham Ruthven, I do love that. And you, my friend. Thank you, Taylor Rockwell. I look forward to the ensuing chaos over over the summer. Yeah.
Yep, sounds good to me. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for listening. Please tell your friends about Soccer 101. Uh, many, many episodes in that back catalog, all of them available uh, for free. We appreciate your support and your listenership, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>